0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Support WrestleTalk! Give us a
1: subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey it's
0: professional wrestler Colt Boom, Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it. Bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Lou Gowen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is and whoever Lou Gowen is. Support the Ravens. more.
1: Wrestle Talk, Now Live. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Ollie Davis, fresh off the greatest streak in Quizzlemania history. Move aside, Luke, with your three wins back to back. Enter Ollie with the
2: six straight losses, and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swath Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How are you feeling, man? Yeah, I just keep thinking about Mantor. I thought Mantar might be <sighs> a big part of your thoughts and stuff at the moment, because if it hadn't been for Mantar, you wouldn't have come last.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah, I mean, th- there are many things... That I didn't get right.
2: No, but the, the the Mantar thing, it was the confidence in which you said it that I that really does feel like that was your undoing.
1: Yeah. It was the I I went, Mantor or <laughs> Mantar. How do you say Mantar? Mantar. Like I said Minotaur. Man-tour. You just not say a minotaur. I just oh, you say do a actually. Minotaur. Yeah, maybe you do. I think maybe it's a north south conflict again. <laughs> uh I yeah, so when, when that came up. I did because I saw the giant Gonzalez picture and my mind just went, well, that's Manator. (laughs) And I just wrote it down. I did not think because I was like, it's so obvious. Yeah. As soon as I said it out loud, I realized it wasn't Manator.
2: Oh, (laughs) God. (laughs) Oh, it was rough.
1: One point away from not coming last.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Head on over to the Quizzle podcast to give that a listen. Spoilers for you know oh, the yeah, sorry, stuff thanks. like that. But it is well worth a listen to because you can hear the moment that Ollie's heart breaks <laughs> at various points in this because like it is it's the most dramatic final round we've ever had, and it was a race for the bottom. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, you know, well done. Well done you again. Absolutely trouncing everyone else.
2: I was about 30 points ahead of uh, second
1: place. I think, yeah, how does it feel to be Brian Zane? (laughs) Does it feel good?
2: Yeah, I mean, I am now the Charlotte Flair of Mania. I am the Roman Reigns of QuizzleMania. uh, Over pushed. Uh, Everyone's bored of me now being on top. Uh, everyone's calling for Sean to come back so that he can dethrone me, even though I have dethroned him twice. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't really feel like much of a threat to me anymore. Um, and yeah, I mean, as someone quite brilliantly pointed out in, in the chat yesterday, I'm Seth Rollins now. I'm the guy that everyone wanted to be champion. And now that I am champion, people don't want it anymore. So they're just starting to turn on me. And I'm doing myself no favors by continuing to be a nice guy. It's quite stunning to
1: to see unfold in real time with us, you know, in the thick of it, how some how a fan base can be so into the chase, but in no way interested for when they that the period after actually winning the championship.
2: And I think this is why WWE can't create new stars anymore because of us. Because well, I, I think that the general, I mean, I'm, 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 this is quite a broad wrestling observation, fan base observation. But look at all the people that turned on Drew as soon as he won the title. Look at all the people that turned on Becky as soon as he won the title. Everyone was clamoring for them to win the belts, uh, you know, early doors, and then they won them. And they're like, no, nah, I don't like them anymore. Now they're pushed too much. They're pushed too hard. They're trying to shove them down our throats. You, uh, it, it, and I think that's why you can't create new stars anymore. Because people, as soon as you create a new star, people want something new. I think, uh, yeah,
1: maybe those people were always there, uh, or maybe those feelings were always there, but everyone feels like they have to have definitive feelings now. Mm. Not just like, huh, I'm not so sure on Drew McIntyre, but I'll sit tight and see how it unfolds. No, now they have to have an immediate hot take. Honestly, I have never used Twitter so much than the last two weeks for obvious reasons to keep up with the speaking out movement. And it's a horrible horrible place oh yeah it's and i like je- i've always you know i'm not one who engages with twitter that much i've now come to believe quite firmly that is a, it is a detriment to society overall mm-hmm. and i think it's something about twitter maybe it's because i haven't really done the same for facebook recently but I, I really do think twitter is a bad thing overall i know it's i know it coordinates all these special movements and stuff overall it's a toxic
2: place I have not scrolled down a Facebook feed in a number of years. And I don't think I want to. Like, I really don't feel like I want to do that at the moment. Um, but yeah, I can only imagine what that's like. But Twitter is quite a hellscape at times. Um, but do you know what? Should we get into the show? we go through some lighter things? Uh, we'll get into the full AEW Fighter Fest review for Night Uno. If you're... If you're thinking, well, why aren't these dorks talking about NXT? Well, you mark, head on over to the other podcast where Laurie and Adam are talking about it. You marks. Anyway, here's us talking about the cool product AEW. Uh, but before that, a slight bit of news: Are we getting a Bullet Club reunion? Here is the show.
1: Had a very interesting tweet that I've already seen one person reply to. Can't wait to see the speculative headlines on this one which is Carl Anderson, the released back in mid-April member of the OC along with Luke Gallows, Gallows and Anderson formerly of New Japan, formerly of the Bullet Club. Earlier this week they were confirmed, reportedly confirmed to have signed with Impact Wrestling in a deal that includes them also being able to work the new japan when that is available to do so and here i see on july the 1st yesterday at 6 50 pm shortly before finer Fest, a photo of gallows anderson and the young bucks in what seems to be a hotel room slash conference center room
2: and it wasn't just carl anderson that tweeted it the bucks uh, account also tweeted out this same photo as well
1: So Speculation and Mania run wild. It's a these are two free agents. I would have assumed that the impact deal that they signed earlier this week in in, on Monday, apparently, would have meant they cannot wrestle for other North American promotions. However, that wasn't really how impact were doing things before lockdown. They were actually Mm. being very open, saying, you know, come and work for us and you can still wrestle for Ring of Honor, wrestle for AEW, wrestle for New Japan. It's more the other promotions problems that they don't want their wrestlers appearing for other promotions in North America. So could we see the first ever AEW Impact and
2: New Japan tag team here? I I think it's completely possible like i think that it is certainly not without question that we will see the good brothers uh doc gallows and carl anderson in AEW at some point because like the connections are just there like you know let's be honest this photo was tweeted out to work the bu- work the marks and look at us as marks here getting worked and that's fine that's kind of a wonderful attitude to take really like you know they put this up so that we can get excited and start speculating so let's get excited and speculate away um and i think we could certainly see good brothers in aew as well as impact it depends on really how long they're going to be an impact for like are they signing with them full time is it just for a certain number of shows is it just until the restrictions are lifted and they can go over to new japan we don't really know what the the sort of the, the, the deals are that are in place for them.
1: Yeah, I think right now it would be it wouldn't be a shrewd business move to lock yourself up for a multi-year deal. Unless you're with WWE, in which that seems to be the only style of contract they offer. Multi-years. For everyone else, even before lockdown, the aim of the game was to play all of these major promotions off each other to increase your own worth. And the Good Brothers are quite famously good at doing that just last april or july time actually they got massive deals out of wwe for multi-years because they played them off the threat of going to aew Mm -hmm. and and but you know then wwe went and released them so i think this is a it's it's definitely very possible should it happen i think is another question
2: that's what I was gonna ask because one of the victims I feel on this episode of Fighterfest or you know the night one of Fighterfest was Santana and Ortiz. In such like for a team that are one of the best tag teams on the planet, they feel like not even third, fourth, fifth wheel. Like they feel so unimportant in AEW because that we I mean We've been saying over the last few weeks, Craigy, what a stacked tag division they've got. It's, there's almost too many good teams. Yeah, and actually there are too many good teams <laughs> in AEW and you can't all be pushed at the same time. You know, we talked about um, Deonna Perrazzo choosing to go to Impact over AEW. And I said, I, I probably would have made the same choice because they're they treating their women's division brilliantly. And over in AEW, you're not really getting a whole lot. If you're Gallows and Anderson and you're looking at that stacked tag division, uh, what are you looking like? Where do we slot in here? Like there's there's too many big fish in this pond. We could go to Impact where we can be the big fish or go to New Japan where we can be the big fish and just not not get lost in the shuffle, which is what happened to them in WWE.
1: Yeah, getting lost in the shuffle is is one of the main things here, not just in a very deep tag division, but also during a time when there are too many debuts or returns or whatever. I don't know about you, but back in the day, if I ever got a big load of birthday money from my my nan and granddad, along with my mum and dad, I would go down and I would just splurge, splurge on two to three video games. But I would only ever play one of those video games, even though I want them all, even though I bought them all. Two would become the runts because my brain, and I would argue our collective fan-based consciousness, can only really deal with treating a big star debuting every three months.
2: Yeah, and uh, like I think AEW could probably do with one under their belt. Like I don't I feel like we haven't had a big debut in AEW since Moxley, like in in Double or Nothing last year. Because every other debut they've tried to do, you know, Luther did not really go down uh, particularly well. Butcher and Blade didn't particularly go down very well. Actually, you know, on the same show, Smash Brothers Dark Order didn't go down particularly well. So I feel like they could do with like a big ne- Brian Cage. I think is probably the best one they've had um, thus far, like outside of Moxley. So maybe they could do with it. But at the same time, if if Impact are going to be doing loads of big debuts at Slammiversary, is they're going to get sort of get lost in the news cycle that AEW also have some of the ex WWE guys showing up.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, we, we should also mention of course Brody Lee and Matt Hardy were really cool. They came on the same show though, and it was without fans. Like, unfortunately, they weren't home runs. Uh that that's kind of nobody's fault though. FTR, that was a really cool debut, but I wouldn't say it was, you know, of the level as some debuts and returns in WWE have been. Um so and yeah, it's just it'll be another you don't want to have the stigma of being the promotion where all of WWE's castoffs go
2: like they've already got that like mm. there there is, there is a certain group of fans that already think that's what AEW is you know they they don't call them TNA 2.0 for a, for a reason Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Fun Known, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Bard. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Fun Known's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight. To your mobile device. Quizzle Mania, it's the showcase of the amorons.
1: Uh, well, let's see what your su- 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 super chats have to say. Go oh, uh, back there. Well, Matt, uh, my lady partner, or my partner rather, she didn't have lunch in time. So she's preparing lunch right now, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, she is And She's <laughs> making too much noise, isn't she? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. I dropped She dropped some scissors.
2: Are you okay? Well, it's good. She's okay. It sounded bigger than scissors. It sounded like she dropped a whole, like, bag, you know, rack from the oven. She's attention-seeking. Don't,
1: don't <laughs> play into it.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so getting your super chats throughout the show. We will get to every single one of them on the subject of the Bullet Club. Uh, we should, should point out, actually, as well, that the Young Bucks and Gallows and Anderson were featured in that photo, that tweeted-out image. But it's not like they're the only Bullet Club members who have emerged in AEW, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page. Anyone else? Uh, I think that's it for now. Yeah, I mean, Bullet Club's a big faction.
2: There's lots of them.
1: Hmm. Uh, but, you know, that's there's, there's already five Bullet Club members there. So it, it would be exciting to see how they interweave their shared history as Omega is so often very good at booking. So JJ 496 says, feel like Cody matches need months of build for it to work. Storyline made sense for Dustin to run out, but the last two Cody matches are slightly overbooked.
2: Yeah, I mean, you said this in your review, and I suppose we'll get into it uh, when we get to the, the main portion of the show. But I thought the first half of the show was way better than the second half. And the I mean, the Cody-Hager match was the match I wasn't particularly invested in i think it's the weakest tnt title match they've had so far and as arguably the one that's had the most build mm. um so yeah so it, it didn't didn't really work for me that match i'll just read this out as well because i've seen it josh to dominic's
1: best hager match ever cody can't have a bad match
2: i mean it might be hager's best match in aw although i mean i know the some people didn't like it but i really enjoyed the um the empty arena match he had with moxley I really liked the pay-per-view match against Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, totally.
1: I thought he that had was really, matches. really
2: fun. Yeah, I think he's had good matches.
1: Um, Dylan from Cork. If the OC go to AEW, I hope we get to see a Carl Anderson singles run.
2: Yes, please. P.S.
1: Sorry for missing the quiz last night. I was a bit ill and me and Ashleen are saving money for our new apartment. Jam that jam.
2: Well, best oh, of luck, luck to you. I hope that, you're yeah. feeling better.
1: Um, yes, this is, I, I just can't believe. Well, no, I can totally believe why Carl Anderson didn't get more singles matches and pushes in WWE. But he is a phenomenal singles wrestler. Go back and watch him. It must have been like the 2016 G1 tournament. Oh,
2: my God. He
1: is so good.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It it sucks that he was just given that tag role. You know, he had singles matches, but... Can you name a singles match that was like more than five minutes? Like mm. it wasn't a proper singles run. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him get a singles run. The the the, the Bullet Club,
1: oh, sorry, the OC are kind of they're not, I, I'm never like super into their matches, even their New Japan ones that I've seen. It was not like I was crazy into them, but I'm very much into their charisma and their presence. And, you know, they're a, gallows especially is a lot more physically imposing than a lot of the tag division i would argue so i think they would be they they could give a nice almost sports entertainmenty feel to that tag division to balance out the very wrestling focused or lucha focused parts of it um but but yeah overall i'm not i'm not crazy excited about them potentially going there
2: I'm I'm I'm, I'll go the opposite way I am excited about the potential of Gallows and Anderson in the same way that I was excited about FTR going to AEW because I'm like finally like you know this great tag team can get a really good run in this place but at the same time I am also looking at what is an incredibly stacked division and what happened to you know Santana and Ortiz that like I have no idea why they lost on this show. Like I get it because you're trying to push the Hardy thing, but like there's way more mileage in pushing Santana and Ortiz at the moment than there is private party with, with Matt Hardy. So yeah, like, so I'm looking at Santana and Ortiz being like, man, maybe it's too stacked of a division at this point.
1: Um, So, thoughts on Fyderfest. I'm glad you said the same thing because I did that thing where I was like, well, I know how I feel in the immediate aftermath after watching it. I wonder how the internet feels. And the internet felt differently to me. And it made me scared of saying... (laughs) How did the internet feel about it? The internet
2: thought it was really good. I, I actually, I feel like you are are singing from the same hymn sheets on this one in that I thought this was a really good show. This was 100% a four yeah. out of five show. Like, but it, it And the reason why I don't think it was a five out of five show is because I put too much expectation on the main events. Like I was expecting Best Friends versus Paige and Omega to be amazing. And when it ended, and I felt like it ended abruptly like i thought there was another five to ten minutes i thought we were just getting into the final sequence of things and then the match just ended and i was like ah and then you know the 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 show came to an end i was like well i don't think the match ran short then as it's obviously the time that it was allotted it just felt like it didn't get the time that it should have done and i also think that the the second half of this show because the first half of the show had such limited ad breaks felt like it had more and longer ad breaks which broke up the flow of matches so we didn't really feel like the big pay-per-view experience because during the ad breaks you just have to do the heel works over the baby face while we get into the the, the hot tag sequence for example so it just, I, I thought the first half of the show was terrific though like the, the tag match with Jurassic Express and Wardlow and MJF was awesome the Harashida Penelope Ford match was awesome that was so so good but I, overall i came away thinking being like yeah that was really good as opposed to being like oh man that was awesome which is what i i did coming out of double or nothing
1: yeah well I, we should point out that double or nothing all out um full full gear revolution. Those, those shows are proper pay-per-view events this was more akin to uh you've got the Oh my God! What was the cage one called with Wardlow oh, and Cody? Out. No, oh, no, no! Oh, the...
2: yeah, yeah, yeah! God, what was that called?
1: That that had a name, <laughs> uh, but also there was Bash at the Beach as well uh, on the boat, and you know we had that cage match with Cody and Wardlow. We had a title change for the for the for on the Bash at the Beach that brilliant match between yeah, Jericho, Cruz ones, yeah, yeah, the uh, SCU and Paige and Omega where they first won the belts. And that's what I'm basing my expectations off of. Not off the Double or Nothing and the big pay-per-view shows. I mean, this is like the TV pay-per-view events, which I think is such a good idea to do. Mm. Maybe it's because this is a two-night thing and AEW might be looking at literally this is the undercard to Night two's main card. Yeah, I, kind of I like don't... how
2: Wrestle Kingdom had that. Like This year's Wrestle Kingdom felt like the first night didn't feel quite as big as the second night.
1: Yeah, like this is the go-home show to that actual fighter Fest next week, which is, as we found out, the go-home show to fight for the <laughs> fallen the following week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I-, I was totally the same. I loved the first 45, 50 minutes of this, which was the tag match, the women's match. Uh, and after that, I just felt like it wasn't just me. I felt like some some atmosphere was just let out of the the arena. Like mm. it went, pfft, pfft, and it never quite recovered. I don't know if that's Jericho coming off commentary.
2: Yeah, because he was only off commentary for the main event. And I did feel that during that main event, I mean, one of my notes I've got written down is, God, I wish this was in front of a crowd. Because I think a cr- like a big crowd would have really helped push this forward. But like, I mean, I don't know how long that main event went. But as I said, like, I feel like it had another 5-10 minutes in mm. it to really push it over the edge for you know it was still like and here's the thing it's still the best you know it's one of the best matches that we're going to get on tv this week because it was better than any match we got on raw because you know they were only five to seven minutes long each this actually felt like it was a proper match um i haven't seen nxt yet but i believe that was also a really good show i believe the that timothy thatcher uh only locking match was awesome as was the main event Um, But I'll be I'll be very interested to see the ratings for this, considering the NXT won last week um, to see if the pull of Banks versus Shirai is going to be big or bigger uh, than Omega Page versus Best Friends, particularly. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I'll be very interested to see the ratings pattern this week. Well yeah, one of the I, I, one of the theories coming out of why Jericho
1: and Cassidy did so badly last week that main event segment lowest rated segment in AEW history uh, the is Matt Meltzer said that the AEW crowd tunes in for matches mm. whereas the WWE and NXT crowd often tune in for segments so Maybe because this is a a show built around matches, it might do better. If it doesn't, it's quite concerning. Really, it'll be mm. very interesting to see the ratings come out later today.
2: Yeah, no, completely. But like overall, as I said, overall, I don't. I want to sound like I'm down on this show because I did very much enjoy the show. It's just that it, considering that the last few weeks of Dynamite have been like really good shows, I think in some cases have been excellent shows. This felt like just another excellent show, as opposed to being. A amazing show, which you would expect a sort of pay-per-view caliber show to be. Well,
1: I think the the last few weeks of Dynamite
2: were better than this episode. Mm. In some cases, yeah, I totally mm. agree with you. Yeah.
1: Uh, so the show kicked off with a, it, there was razzmatazz for the set. We had the girls in bikinis that are ironically objectifi- <laughs> objectified. Ironically, uh, what what a, what a strange argument to make, isn't it? Well, oh, we're going to do it ironically, but. You're still totally doing it. I've got no <laughs> problem with it. I think it's fun. Um, and Chris Jericho
2: coming out in a full Canada flag jacket. For Canada Day, the greatest country on this uh, earth of ours. And he looked awesome. Loved the Canada jacket. He brought up Canada Day so <laughs> much throughout this show. What a wonderfully proud Canadian he is. Still the best colour commentator working
1: today. Uh, yeah. It's a shame he's not on it more. It's a shame he was taken off after his Orange Cassidy brawl. I yeah. would have loved for him to have called the main event because he, he really, like, a Jericho on commentary is probably the same as 2,000 people in the stadium.
2: <laughs> He's very loud.
1: Yeah. Uh, but the opening match was MJF and Wardlow versus Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. MJF cut an excellent promo to kick this off.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Saying, I'm tired of beating these guys. Like and and he was like kind of making fun. I felt like he was making fun of you, um, calling his feud with uh, Jungle Boy the Eternal Feud. Uh, I felt like I was like, oh, he's taking a shot at Ollie Davis here. Um, And he's talking about how that uh, Lucasaurus is an idiot and Jack Perry is just spending all of his dad's money. He had an amazing tweet uh, the other way where he was just like, people are saying that you know I'm white privilege, but he was born into loads of money. I wasn't you know I I've, I've worked to get to where where I am um he, you know he's got a, the other one's got a doctorate and he's wasting it by doing a stupid dinosaur gimmick it was amazing amazing stuff and then said we're in a weight we're in a ratings war so you book MJF in a match oh i thought he was amazing is that the first time anyone in this whole
1: fiasco has ever acknowledged publicly It is a ratings war. I think possibly, yeah. Because both sides are always like, no, we're just going to do our thing. They're going to do their thing. This was was very cathartic to hear MJF say. I thought, yeah, it was a great promo to get over MJF. But I, I, I feel like, well, I thought I felt like I had sort of gotten over shoot style promos. I used to live for shoot promos any little bit of realism in a you know when john cena would tease a heel turn by literally like turning his heel i'd be (gasps) like you know i think it's just from wanting the cm punk pipe bomb promo i just i just want that high again it's like that's my first heroin high yeah
2: and podcast ruined everything man yeah like like, podcast killed the shoot interview industry and i think that has also then killed shoot interviews on tv social media has ruined everything man yeah, because and, and there's been so many, and you're like, well, it's
1: a worksheet promo. No one's really, you know. They, I, I I appreciate the effort for realism, but and th- this this promo, the way, the sort of balance he got from deep cuts and kayfabe, I thought was perfect. Yeah, and it made it it reawakened that that sort of drama hungry. Gossip mongering part of me that I, I miss. Do
2: you know what <laughs> the worst part it, of me? Do you know why I think it might have worked for you? And it's the same reason why I think the Taz uh, sort of almost shootish promo that he cut later on in the show worked, is because it's tied into the character and story. It's mm. not just shoot for the sake of shoot. It's not just saying things because like oh you might have read this in the dirt sheets. It's all tied into MJF's character and the story that he's telling with Jungle Boy. And same with Taz. Like, Taz's comments, you could say, like, oh, man, Taz shoots on WWE. But really, it was like, now, Taz was cutting a promo on John Moxley, the character, as a character, to put over Brian Cage, the character, and the story that these characters are doing. So I think it, you can do it in a really smart way like that. Yeah, I never thought of that. I,
1: you're probably right. That's why the punk one works so well. Yeah, Because totally. it was all story. Um, but, yeah, that this it was followed by an absolutely terrific, really
2: fun, oh, fast-paced match. So good. And, you know, this was the only match of the night that didn't get the ad break. And I think mm. sometimes it really shows how much those ad breaks can hurt the flow of a match because this just flowed and flowed and flowed and it was so so good jericho not showing up about godzilla movies and then getting into an argument with tony Schiavone about whether or not luchasaurus is mothra or ghidra really (laughs) really tickled me uh and then when they did like they did the quadruple down and then jungle boy and mjf kip up at the same time and then luchasaurus and wardlow kip up at the same time like i was on the edge of my seat for this. And we've got the big Canadian Destroyer spot. Happy Canada Day for Chris Jericho. I just thought it was so, so great. And I loved the finish.
1: Yeah, so the finish was, well, Marco Stunt had already tried to get involved, but Wardlow was having none of that. Used him as a human torpedo against Jungle Boy. But then MJF goes to use the diamond ring on, uh was it Luchasaurus? Luchasaurus, yeah. yeah. And Luchasaurus ducks, and MJF just just about stops himself from hitting Wardlow. MJF's like, what are you doing, you stupid Wardlow? You should have held him more. And Luchasaurus kicks MJF's arm into Wardlow, knocking him out with the diamond ring. Such a protected weapon. And then uh jurassic express hit a move that i haven't written down for the
2: win they, like they had to do loads of moves on him like they were really trying to put a, like keep wardlow protected in all of this like they had to do the, the choke slam he basically sat straight up on this they had to hit a series of moves after the diamond ring shots to get him to stay down which i, I as i said i, I loved that finish love the way they were trying to protect Wardlow. In, in the same in the cage match with cody like, you know, Code, he, Wardlow lost that match because of that diamond ring again. His two losses have both come from that diamond ring. And MJF um, on Twitter posted up saying like, well, I'm, I still haven't been pinned or defeated in AEW. So it, yeah. it, it, it keeps that going as well. I I loved this match. Absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah, because it's it's so good in the moment. It's coming off a really good tangled rivalry between all four men. You know, Hmm. I often think MJF versus Jungle Boy is the big story here. But we're getting a pretty decent Wardlow-Luchasaurus rivalry as well. And it's also really good in perpetuity in that these four guys, if they keep on this level and and rate of growth, they're the future of the company. Completely. Very exciting stuff. Really, really fun way to open the show. Um, Then (laughs) I hope you like puppies. Jerry Lawler is probably going out of his mind. Different kind of puppies, mate. Different kind of puppies, Jerry. (laughs) Because we're going to get a puppy battle royal next week.
2: Now, what is a puppy
1: battle royal? I have no idea. I would only speculate that it is dogs, baby dogs trying to push each other out of a wrestling ring hmm. over the top rope uh, I, I mean, don't know
2: Are we going to get any ex-WWE puppies in there to be like the big surprise entrance mm. I, I mean it, it could turn really dark and
1: it could be a sort of like underground <laughs> betting scene <laughs> where the dogs have been starved for weeks and they they fight each other
2: mm. I don't know, maybe, man.
1: Maybe this was a, one of those classic misleading promos where it's the cute tease, but actually it's horribly violent. Kind of the opposite, Bunkasaurus.
2: Yeah, or mm. it's just going to be lovely, wholesome entertainment for five minutes. Yeah, it's probably going to be that. Yeah. uh I yeah, I. D- <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. I didn't see it coming. Like, yes. you know, when we, we do our wild 2020 prediction video, like when we did that back in December last year. Like, if you'd have said on that video, I think that AEW are going to have a battle royal with puppies, I'd have been like, I mean, that's the wildest prediction you probably could have given. Mm. I, but at the same time, this does feel right in
1: the sort of Young Bucks vision of of fun variety, silly, cutesy wrestling. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm a cat person. You're more of a dog person. Is this getting uh, you going?
2: I mean, yeah, I, I, can, I can swing either way, uh, depending on sort of what animals in front of me, depending on how big the dog is. I don't like big dogs. Mm-hmm. Big dogs scare me a little bit. Who are? Um, but, uh, but I do like puppy. Puppies are cool. You know, I think this will be lovely and cute and adorable. So I think it will be quite a wholesome entertainment next week.
1: Yeah, it's just dogs in wrestling don't have the most, <laughs> like the best history. I'm yeah. thinking kennel of hell. Roman's early push, yeah. Mm. Right. <laughs> and Dog Food. Yes, Dog Food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more yeah. recently. After that, we got Lance Archer suddenly brawling with Joey Janela at ringside. That was to build their match for next week. And then we got Sheeda versus Penelope Ford, which was oh.
2: terrific. Who, who could have foreseen this match would be this good? Apart from AEW, obviously. Mm. But I thought this was awesome. Like right from the get-go. Um, when you had um, Kip Sabian being uh, sent to the back by Aubrey Edwards and him taking the um, the kendo stick to then set that up as the the finish for the match, I mean, like my notes here are just like, wow, Ford is really good. Like she's come on leaps and bounds since signing with AEW. I think she was really great in this match. Then like, damn, she does so so good. She does great, and I think she's bringing the best out of out of Ford here. I thought this match was wicked, and there's some. Amazing near falls that I really bought into.
1: Yeah, she does great. That's nothing new. I'm not going to go over how fantastic she is yet again. She's my favorite. <laughs> um, but the the thing I was struck by was Peanut Ford because a lot of the sort of discussion and reviews around this has been Al oh, Ford's kind of just getting this because Statlander and other people are injured, uh, Britt Baker as well. So AEW kind of found themselves at a loss for a women's division and. It's it made me forget that she was actually coming out of all in one of the people I was most into. Mm. She was a big part of the Joey Janella, Joey Janella Hangman Page match, the one where uh, Joey Ryan returned at the end with the with the penis druids. Yeah, and Penelope Ford with a sort of. Somersaults and gymnastic movements and acrobats. She was so so cool, and she did a few hardcore spots too. Kind of forgot all that, but here she is, as a as a heel, not as a babyface like she was there, doing all the same kind of very impressive, typically babyface, overly athletic, flippy spots. But she does it in a way that's obnoxious, mm. so it actually comes off heelish, and that I think that's incredibly difficult to do. To do something that's so
2: visually impressive, and make people boo you still. I think that stands for her facial reactions as well. Like She sells really, really well. And she gets across her character in her facial reactions and the way that she carries herself to the ring and carries herself around the ring particularly around some of those near falls man like and what a genius little moment they had of this as well where you had she goes out of the ring to grab the belt which distracts edwards kip sabian appears from nowhere the kendo stick Sheeta pops the kendo stick out of his hand it feels like it's in the air for about five minutes catches it hits kip sabian and that's like, way big, big baby face thing but then penelope gets the roll up you're like oh <gasps> And then like that was a great near fall and like the stunner near fall as well. Uh, and then Ford hits, um, sorry, Shida hits two, two running knees and the Falcon arrow for another near fall. And then has to hit that third running knee to get the final victory. I thought it was brilliant. And Blake slowed the ad breaks slowed the pace down, but God, I thought it was great. Really good stuff.
1: Shida looked great. Ford looked great. What more can you ask for? Very, very good stuff. Argument for match of the night, really. Yeah, totally. Um, I really like the tag match as well, but this this probably did more for, for people involved. Um, after that, we got Taz doing one of his sort of sports science bits, but this time, there was an agenda to it. It wasn't yes. as objective as normal because he's going through Moxie's paradigm shift, and he's just saying, yeah, it's a really dangerous move, but won't hurt brian cage
2: yeah i loved it it's just like yeah you see the way that he locks that in won't we'll be able to do that on brian cage and then you know, he hits the move it's really good like it really affects people probably not brian cage though um i i thought it was, was amazing stuff
1: taz and brian cage are the mvp and bobby lashley of aew and that's a that's a that's a compliment because i love both acts
2: Yeah, and we were talking about this on Mania in the post-show last night. I really do think there's an argument to put the belt on Cage with Taz Mm -hmm. as manager. I really do think there's an argument for it. Well, will agree to disagree there.
1: Uh, So next up, unfortunately, that's kind of, that was all really good. That was a really good episode. And then, for me, Fyderfest just kind of leveled out a bit, really, yeah, in, in a sort of... Uh, way and that was started by Cody Rhodes taking on Jake Hager for the TNT title. A match that has had some build, but unfortunately, people and myself just aren't into Jake Hager in the way they need to be for this match to have worked. Yeah, uh, because I don't think anyone thought Jake was winning. That's a huge part of the drama with Cody's matches, and he, I yeah, I don't really. I'm I'm more into his wife than I am into Jake as, as a character, as a heel.
2: Yeah. Um and there was like, you know, some shenanigans that was well overbooked by the end. But I really I I liked the 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 main finish here. Not all of things, there was a lot of stuff with Arn Anderson in, there a lot of stuff with the wife, and then Dustin ran out to to punch Hager. So like I wasn't into like a lot of that stuff, but I did like Hager getting on the head and arm choke and Cody rolling that into a pin because the way that they had filmed it did actually add quite a lot of confusion to this, which I thought sold Hager's reaction to it all the better than the way that they sort of filmed this. Um, Because, I, you know, when was sort of finished, I was like, oh my God, did did Cody tap? I wasn't wasn't quite sure. Mm, mm. So Hager gets up and he celebrates, but the referee had counted the pin. That's what the sound was that you were hearing. It wasn't... And and I, I just thought they actually filmed it very, very well. And I thought it was very, very effective in that. Yeah. So I liked that finish, but the match overall I thought was fine it's perfectly fine stuff
1: yeah it was mostly Hager working over Cody and uh, not that exciting really maybe because it was lacking that tension of of unpredictability and yeah I think that finish by itself as the only bit of extra booking would have made oh actually you know what a nice finish but instead there were a lot of steps that came before then that sort of undermined it really and made it overly cluttered I I I think Cody looks at his matches because sometimes they work so well, mm-hmm. like five star, my favorite match. Well, um, and I think he approaches his character and his nightmare family kind of like how Grant Morrison booked Batman in his run in the comics, where he sort of it wasn't just Batman anymore, it was Batman Incorporated. You've got all these characters supporting him, and you kind of make up for stuff Batman can't do as a character by having all these other people. Mm. I think Cody looks at that in the nightmare family in a similar way, because he's a big Grant Morrison fan, big comic book fan. But I, I do as a bit of armchair psychology is, is this, is it, is he overbooking stuff because he's not confident in his own ability?
2: Oh no. I just think that's what he likes. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an ability thing. I think that it, he thinks that it enhances his matches, and maybe it's a way to sort of protect people within those matches and the outcomes of matches. Maybe I don't I I don't know if I would say it's a it's a confidence thing though.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not saying Cody doesn't have the ability. I'm I'm just armchair psychology, totally. Yeah,
2: no, 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 no. I, no, I, I get what you um, mean. Yeah,
1: uh, that if you if you were hanging around with the young bucks and Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. And I love Cody, but he is he isn't of the same sort of in-ring athleticism as those guys. Maybe you do be like, oh, I've got to lean on the blood then. I've got mm. to lean on the run-ins. I don't I'm know.
2: Not, I'm not, yeah. I mean, you might be onto something. I don't know the man personally. Um, maybe you are onto something, but I feel it is more just that's the wrestling style that he likes you know we sort of about how the young bucks really likes mm. that the, the 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 flippy style and the, the high spots and kenny's puppies. got his and puppies kenny's got his style and cody's is that 80s wcw uh mentality and uh you know and I, I, I there's nothing wrong with that it's worked really well for him in a lot of his matches uh, yeah i would just I, I
1: was really getting into his singles matches with the likes of mark quen and Jungle Boy, where well, there wasn't yeah. all of this stuff, uh, so it was, yeah. Oh well, we'll see what happens. Uh, Darby Allen did a really cool little. What, when did he have this party?
2: I, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping they were all socially distancing from each other. But yet, yeah, he did a video package about not staying at home because, like you know, he's been ordered by the AW doctors to rest up. He's not medically cleared, but here he is doing skate uh, skate tricks while on fire um mm. and then doing backflips onto the skateboard and cheering with his mates who are filming it for what i assume will be a very cool youtube video <laughs> that backflip onto a skateboard and then just going down the half pipe wow oh god it's incredible like i incredible. mean I'm I'm I'm, I'm 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 sound like i'm being facetious here when i talk about how it'd be a cool youtube video i think it'd be a well cool yeah yeah, I, yeah. I mean i'm the guy that like used to spend most of my i, I complete tony hawk's over and over again with everyone because I wanted to unlock everyone's video that you get from it and I'm the guy who would just sit there and watch all those videos because I think they're wicked I used to buy skate videos back in sort of like VHS's I used to buy back in sort of 2000 2001
1: yeah after that we got private party versus proud and powerful and sorry for the plosives there (laughs) now this off the back of the Hager Rhodes match which I wasn't really into i thought this this really was
2: not it's uh, this i don't was want a to say it match. wasn't good it was a buffer match yeah it was a buffer match between the big tnt title match and the main event and unfortunately that's how it came across as yeah. a buffer match it was there to just you know quite like what you would do to sort of like calm the crowds down after the previous big match to then get them excited again for the the main event it didn't go particularly long a lot of it was ad break and it was just the heels working over the baby faces in that ad break some shenanigans at the end with Matt Hardy stopping them using the slapjack and then they hit the gin and juice for the win Ortiz nearly broke it up but I I was just Santana got beat by Matt Hardy on TV and I figured like okay so they've lost to Hardy here so that they can get the win at the pay-per-view then they just lost to the pay-per-view so like yeah not a. I I really felt bad for Santana and Ortiz like I was talking to Louis about this earlier. he was like who have they pissed off Hmm. and I was like I "I don't think they pissed off anyone it's just they're a victim of such a huge tank division that, and not everyone could be pushed at the same time. But yeah, I thought, I felt really, I thought it sucked for Santana Ortiz really.
1: Yeah. I, I feel the same. It wasn't, it was just a, a their match, which is, you know, not what we should be saying for these guys really. And I think I really disagree with the decision, which I don't find myself doing with AEW a lot. And that really, that took me on a bit further Completely. because, we love LAX, Brown and Powerful. They're they're incredible. Their their series with Sammy Callahan back in Impact uh, a couple of years ago was some of the best stuff of the year.
2: And the OG stuff was incredible. Oh amazing. god, yes.
1: Yeah, sorry, the OG stuff as well. And I, I was so excited for them coming to AW, and they haven't unfortunately done anything beyond being the comedy goofs for inner circle. And now even in a circle now with Sammy suspended, Jake Hager losing in the previous match, Jericho, you know, I love it, but essentially in a comedy feud and proud and powerful losing here. I, it, it's, it's a bit sad to see how Inner a circle have gotten here. I know they were, they were pushed very, very strongly, <laughs> but now I just, it, 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 yes, yeah, it, I, I think they're worth more than this.
2: Do you know how you said when FTR made had their debut match you know, against um, Butcher and Blade, where you were like, it was a good match, but it's not the match that they really needed to have to kind of convert some of the people who were like, ah, I didn't really get a lot of their stuff that they did in WWE. I think they're overhyped. I still think Santara and Ortiz haven't had that match yet. They mm. had a great match with the Bucks at um, Revolution last year, or 4Gear last year, rather. But the, really, the takeaway of that match was the Rock and Roll Express yeah. doing the Canadian Destroyer. So, like, I don't think Santana and Ortiz have had that killer performance in AEW yet. But at the same time, I don't think they've been afforded the opportunity to have that killer performance that they can have.
1: Yeah. yeah. The best thing they've done is that Santana promo on John Moxley. Yeah. God, that was good as well. Which was incredible, but, you know, that's, and it's a great find to discover this whole dimension to a performer that you, you know previously we didn't know about but yeah it's not it's not the in-ring wrestling that yeah we know they're very good at uh, after that kenny omega and hangman page cut a promo kenny did his bullet club good night line which was fun Well, Uh,
2: you also had um, Jericho getting very hot at Cassidy. Oh, yes. Sorry. Because Orange Cassidy came out before the um, private party match uh, with Jericho calling him dip S word Cassidy. Um, And I like Jericho's rationale for like not attacking him, being like, I've been I've got my match with him next week. I'm not going to attack him now because I I I get him in the ring next week. I get what I want next week. And Cassidy didn't do anything. But Jericho still got annoyed. So he sat there the whole match being like, I'm not going to attack, I'm not going to attack, I'm not going to attack. And then he just flips out and he goes to attack and gets super hot. Cassie just gets up and effectively walks away. He accomplished exactly what he wanted to do. And Jericho had to be pulled apart while he was screaming that he's having a match with him next week. I, I, it, I, thought, it was, I thought it was really good. It was so funny. Jericho is... Je- outraged Jericho
1: mm. is just brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then we got the Page and Omega promo. Then we got one of the best things on the show. You've already alluded to it. Oh, man. So Mox, sorry, not Mox, um, Taz and Cage come out. And this was just after the announcement. They run through all the matches for next week's night two of Fighter Fest. And then they said, Mox and Brian Cage will take place the week after that with Fight for the Fallen, which was, you know, the, the sort of mini pay-per-view event they did last year. And Taz and Cage come out and Taz just says... You know the, the only thing Mox has tested positive for is chicken
2: S-word. This was so, so great. He says, you probably expect us to be really pissed off, but we're not. We're actually okay. Because Mark, and he cuts this um, oh, This was so great. Because this promo of Mox saying, you've been, you're saying that you are, I guess I've had this great conversation with Tony Khan, who told me that you've told him that you're not coming here because you want to protect all the boys in the back. But I know that you've been tested twice for COVID-19 and you've been negative both times. So, and if you came here again to AEW, you'd be tested for a third time because this is not a sloppy shop shooting on, on WWE there. So the only thing that you're testing positive for right now is chicken S-words and that's it. And he just sort of like dropped the mic. He's like, you know, we'll see you at five for the fall, and we'll just take the title off you then because you're scared. It was incredible. Taz
1: is awesome. As soon as he brought up COVID, it was like that magic switch where it's, it made my head go from, I'm watching a wrestling show, I'm writing my notes, to, holy crap, they're having a fight. Yeah. You know, I just <laughs> completely bought into it. Ah, excellent, excellent promo work. Um, And the main event was Hangman Page and Kenny Omega defending their tag team titles against the Best Friends. Best Friends made one of the best entrances in recent times where it's kind of like how FTR arrive in their Jeep. Yeah, I felt this was a way to have a dig at FTR. It was a, you know, more family style car that pulls Mm -hmm. up into the arena. And Trent and Chucky get out, and say bye to Trent's mum, Sue. <laughs> and she <laughs> says, as they were leaving, have fun. <laughs> it, was, it was such... And then, like, Paige and Omega come out separately, separate entrance music, very professional, holding the titles. Just a really, really effective, subtle way to get over that professional wrestlers versus friend wrestlers dynamic
2: yeah absolutely there was also some really good stuff here from baker as well because they have to walk past mm. baker's rolls royce in order to get to the ring and she is looking and being like what is this uh being really confused by it but then as soon as she realized that the camera was on her she just starts smiling for the camera being like hi i'm, I'm brit baker i'm the role model <laughs> that was really good solid stuff and yeah this match was this was really good i really really enjoyed this match but it was the post match that i enjoyed way way more like i loved the post match of this of of this but the match itself was great like it was really really good but i was like ex- and yet maybe this is all on me for setting expectations too high it needed another 10 minutes really i felt like it was just getting into its final gear before it's before it came to an abrupt end yeah i think it went under 15 minutes
1: which you know that's that's a decent chunk of time that's how long the tag, the opening tag title match, uh, t- tag team match went. Sorry, uh, but I, I preferred Omega's matches with Trent back in the QT Marshall gym yeah, days, same, yeah. back in March, April. I, yeah, it's it was all really good stuff. It was a it was a really good match, but it's also a match that's been building for a couple of months now, and it's the de facto main event of a. TV level pay per view. I, I just yeah. with with some of the best wrestlers in the world and the talent in the ring. So, I, I I am very very willing to take responsibility for having high expectations. But looking at it on paper, I and, and you know that the history of of what AEW delivers, I and I, I, I don't think this reached their own
2: high bar. To put a more positive spin on this. There were two moments of this match that I really, really liked. Mm. And that was the fact that the Best Friends had the match won with um, Storm Zero. Like They had it won. They had Paige beat to right, and Omega made the save. And they really put over on commentary, if it wasn't for Kenny Omega, they would have lost the tag titles there. And then the fact it's Paige that picks up the win for the team without the help of Omega... I think and then like that in itself, you know, those are two separate things. But when you tie that into the post match at the end, because FTR come out to sort of watch the match for a little bit. And, you know, they're offering beers to the commentary team, this, that and the other. And afterwards, they come down and trying to be as friendly as possible. They give them some beers. And Page is great. He's drinking the beers. He loves the beers. Gives it to Kenny, who's T-Total. And so Kenny is just, you know, like, you know, thank you very much. Click the drinks, but I'm just going to pour this drink out. And why I love this is that FTR likely know that he's teetotal, right? And so they gave it to him to be a dick. But you could also make the argument that we're new around here. We didn't know that. And you've just poured out that beer, which is incredibly disrespectful. And so there's so many levels that it sort of works on. And then the Bucks come down to make the save. And the final shot of this show was the Young Bucks pulling back Kenny Omega from shouting with FTR. And Hangman Page on the side of FTR shouting at Kenny Omega for being disrespectful. And you tie that into those spots I talked about in the match. That's why I loved this post-match. I loved the post-match way more than I did the actual match because we're getting back into what we were loving earlier this year, which is that the problems between Omega and Paige.
1: It's so beautifully told for a wrestling storyline. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. The Omega stuff, yeah, I guess FDR, it's that brilliant sort of outclaws that you could... It could totally be a ploy to start a fight with someone where you knock over someone's, you know, you just bump into someone in a pub and then you go, all right, mate, what are you doing? Like (laughs) they started the fight, but really you did because you were looking for it. But at the same time, it's a bit rude, Kenny. Yeah, these guys gave you a drink. There are are different ways. I would have either gone, oh thank you so much, I don't drink. That's probably what I would have done. If I didn't want to offend them, I I would have said, oh thank you. And then I would have just held it and not swigged. Maybe put it down. And then maybe I would have said, no, 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 give it to give it to Hangman Page. He loves booze. He yeah. should have two. So mm-hmm. I'm i I'm a bit like Kenny man. I get but, you're a teen total
2: person and that's great. But you're but here's a why, dick here. Well that's, but that's why I think Kenny in Kenny's mind, about like we are way, you know, fantasy booking this, but in Kenny's mind, he knows that FTR know that he's teetotal and yeah. have given it to him to be a dick. So he's just pouring out to be like, guys, yeah. you know that I don't drink. Yeah. So I'm just going to pour this out to show you that I know that you know. But also, as you said, you could look at it from another side, being like, they just didn't know, mate. They didn't know that you were teetotal and you were very rude in pouring out that drink. Fifty
1: Shades of Grey and then some. This is <laughs> great storytelling. Lovely. Um yeah, so overall I, I gave it a four out of five. You know, Ollie hates this episode. <laughs> but I was I went in thinking it was gonna be closer to five out of five yeah you know I,
2: so. I woke up this morning with like that already in my head to be honest to being like man what a stacked card i cannot wait to watch mm. this show this is going to be awesome and at the end of it i was like yeah it was a four out of five show a a predictably solid episode of dynamite but you know they're, they're, you have lofty expectations and sometimes those lofty expectations are set by you the viewer sometimes they're set by the promotion and in this case i think it's a little from column a a little from column b and i did enjoy the show i loved it from top to bottom it just wasn't the blowaway show that i was kind of hoping that it would be but i did love that post match i loved the Sheeta ford match um but yeah i thought the main events needed another five ten minutes in ring action
1: Yeah, well, let's see what you guys thought on the Super Chats. Thank you very much to our moderators. Mod Mother Jenna up in the chat and everyone else helping her. Uh, So on the subject of Hager and Cody, Phoenix writes, Hager's wife has the it factor, but the unlikable it factor.
2: Her natural aura is just annoying. I love it. I love that she is the uncrowned Miss America. that's That's a really great gimmick. Uh, Jake Hager is rock hard, says he is rock hard. He is rock hard. Is this a new nickname? I think this is a new nickname. Yeah. It's very good. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. Uh,
1: Gavin Elks, did you see Cody's new T-shirt, the American Nightmare Cody, in the style of the original Great American Bash logo? Love the little dogs. I wasn't
2: sure if that was meant to be love the little digs uh oh. due, to NXT, but you also might have just love the little dogs that are going to be in the battle Royal next week. But yeah, I did enjoy uh, that t-shirt. Also, I don't know if you've seen this photo going around as well, but did you see the great American bash banner that they had at NXT. Oh, no. Where, so it's the great American bash banner with the NXT logo, but People with a very keen eye have noticed that the NXT bit was just plastered over the old WWE logo because it's the same banner that they used from the WWE Great American Bash shows, and you can just see the scratch, no. the scratch logo underneath. Everyone was like, "Yeah, but I'm sure this was the plan all along to, to have this two week
1: event." I mean, we, let's not rule out WWE's graphic design department also not caring for about four years now. <laughs> uh dip jyoti pool says jake hager made me bored and i flipped the channel yep i think that's totally plausible i I, I I would my mind wandered
2: when i was watching the match i'd be very interested to see the ratings pattern for that match in particular uh ejam king i never
1: saw hager's run in wwe but he wrestles like a big guy and i don't mind watching him do you think because you have seen him as swagger it affects your view of him also love your consistent content
2: it's pretty a good point, actually. Yeah, E. J. King. I think that might be something to do with it. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. But also, I, I don't think he's.
2: I mean, I said it. I don't want to be that guy. But
1: I did say it from the start. When he, as soon as he came back in AEW, I was like, he's. You know, this is good, but it's not. And he's worked very well in the inner circle faction, but he's just not of a certain level of uh, screen presence. I think. Yeah. That this role deserves, although they've packaged him very well.
2: Uh, James Handley on the subject of Best Friends versus Page and Omega said, Best Friends should have been in car seats.
1: Very good with sippy cups.
2: <laughs> Carlo Morisale Mosser- uh, says, uh, Hangman and FTR versus the Elite guys. Um, see the ending from the pull apart. Yeah, loved, absolutely loved it. Josh De Dominic's main event definitely didn't meet the expectations, but was still good. The closing segment with Hangman defending FTR popped me. Yeah, great angle. Yeah. And said, confirmed on the post-show, that was Trent's real mum. No, I didn't doubt that for a second. That's brilliant. Yeah, she, well, she looked real. She was in the crowd as
1: well. They cut to her. That was very yeah. good. Um, uh, didn't have a it, mask on, though. We did criticize
2: WWE for friends and family mm-hmm. in the crowd.
1: So maybe we should do the same. Maybe here. she
2: got tested, though. Yeah. Um, in a, on the subject of Inner Circle, although you should all wear your masks, wear your mask, don't be low-key. Um, Malcolm Brown says, Inner Circle, or is Inner Circle losing part of a bigger story? Yeah, Because they have been on, you know, this sort of big losing streak at the moment. It'll be, I mean, I've got Jericho down to win next week because I think it's going to set up a bigger match for All Out with Tyson. But yeah, I, you know, there is an argument to be made that Cassidy beats him next week and that is they, they lost the Stampede match. They lost all their matches at fighter Fest. What is next for the Inner Circle?
1: Potentially, I, I I think they they just don't feel like a coherent unit really at the moment. Before yeah. they would always come out together, they'd always have someone in each other's corner, but they haven't. It hasn't felt that way since, since um, lockdown. Since lockdown, yeah. Shannon yeah. Smith. Oh, sorry,
2: you're still doing it. I was going to say, but you know, we've uh, we've passed over a hundred days in UK lockdown. Mm. Man. Crikey. Shannon Smith says, I think Inner Circle is being booked to lose for the splits. Jericho got everyone over time to move on the Sammy seed was already being planted.
1: Yeah, I thought, well, maybe that whatever's happened there, the, the Sammy suspension has kind of disrupted that. Even then, I wouldn't have done the breakup for a year, Max.
2: Yeah, I'll let you continue.
1: AW Miscellaneous, Phoenix, thank you very much for your... Generous super chat. That opening tag match blew me the frick away. The amount of stuff they did that could have been so easy to screw up kept me on the edge of my seat. Plus, I'm so sold on Wardlow. He comes off as unstoppable.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was quite a cynical man when Wardlow first, uh, when he had his first um, promo package for, was it on the first episode of Dynamite? I think it was all out. Was it all out? I can't remember. I knew it was early doors in in AEW's lifespan, but us being like, oh man, you couldn't get Brian Cage. So you just got this guy instead, you know, being very snarky about it, but he's great. He's really, really good. And a lot of people told us that at the time. So, you know, I'm going to doff my cap to those people and have some humble pie that I was very wrong and they the
1: AW have booked him perfectly. Just the right amount of glimpse about how yeah. great he is. Axe Adapter. I thought Penelope Ford wasn't that good last night. Her offense looked a bit half-arsed, especially those forearms. Sheeta was awesome, though, where she had a better opponent.
2: I'm going to disagree with that one.
1: Yeah, I thought, I thought her offense was, you know, really, really good. Uh, Dylan from Cork. Hey, MJF versus Heyman in a promo battle would be insane. Yeah, a lot of fun. Oh, my God. Uh, Scott DePee, uh, did you notice that there weren't any tag ropes?
0: Mm,
2: I did not notice that. Huh. Hmm. Because, you know, FTR were making a big point about them using the tag ropes and JR. Maybe it's just them that have the tag ropes. I don't know. Mm. Nick Ward really
1: enjoyed the show. Thoroughly entertained and looking forward to next week. Yeah, same here, actually. Very good. Eddie, good. First, super chat. First, I want to say I've been supporting you for years. Thank you. You guys are effing amazing. But did anyone notice Page put
2: up the four Join oh, his promo? I didn't spot that. I'm sure loads of people in the comments have been sort of shouting at us for not picking up on that. But I didn't see that one. How? I think over four people have now teased the four on AEW.
0: Yeah. We
1: can't ha- remember that the fortune in, in TNA yeah, was yeah. five people. <laughs> Never like that. No. Uh, still wrestling. Miss Christopher jazz cat, more new Japan content, please seen the end new Japan cup.
2: I haven't seen much of it yet, but uh, as we, we've talked about many times on this show, when we've done, di- when we have covered new Japan in the past, uh, people aren't interested. Unfortunately, the audience that we have here at rust talk, um, aren't really into new Japan. Um, so that, that's why we don't cover it as much as as perhaps we'd like to. Akwante Hunter, this week's rating is going to be very
1: interesting. Two real solid shows. Both main events were great, but we're missing something. Oh,
2: that's interesting because I haven't seen anyone say that the Shirai Banks match was missing something. I was going gonna, gonna, well, to try and watch it tomorrow. Mm. I, just, I have not had the time to do it today. Um, but yeah, I'm going to try and check it out tomorrow.
1: I'll just do these last two. Seth Amphetamines. Have either of you ever tried any psychedelics? Feel free not to comment. Just curious. Personally, no. I will say, I will I will feel free not to comment. Uh, Christopher Jazzcat. We'll watch after I've seen AEW, but here's a fiver towards Luke's next Raven shout-out. He's still the exalted one <laughs> to me, damn
2: it. Very good, Jazzcat. That Cat.
1: Raven shout
2: out was so funny.
0: Of course. A-
1: well, I was going to say Jazzcat was the man who was saying it was it was
2: definitely going to be Raven as the exalted one. So he'd called it. He predicted it was going to be Raven. And then Raven was in the crowd for that Dark Order match. So he was straight in there to be like, I told you guys, <laughs> I told you guys it was Raven. Um, um, but- we've got one from Gary Pierce over on wrestletalk.com forward slash support saying thanks for the consistently consistent content, guys. Jam that jam. Happy birthday, Chopper. Ah, oh, thank you. And yes,
1: always happy birthday, Chopper.
2: You mentioned in the earlier portion of this podcast, in the intro portion, um, that everyone has to have a spicy hot take these days. Well, I'm afraid, Ollie Davis, your latest spicy hot take that Lady Park oh. is. Oh, getting... right. Oh, I thought
1: you were going to say Will Ferrell not being good anymore. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, actually, looking at the comments on that video, I had a quick check. Some uh, Vinny Shui posted up a clip of uh, the Patreon podcast that we do, "Rest Talk After Dark," where Ollie Davis had the big claim that Will Ferrell isn't funny anymore. Most people were very much in support of you because, like, the one comment that really stuck out to me was like, "This video is 15 years too late." <laughs> Um, and yeah, a lot of people being like he hasn't been, he can't do sequels uh, and he hasn't been funny for years. You know, hasn't been funny since Talladega Nights, some people have said. Oh, I think that's harsh. I, I,
1: I do think 2010 was was the last good Will Ferrell vehicle.
2: Indeed. Yes. But unfortunately, no, I, more the 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 the, uh, the decision to retire lady partner as a phrase. People have had thoughts. Oh, um, oh I mean, people have also had thoughts about the fact that we had the, the audacity to have a woman on this show. We had a one-star review left on the podcast. Oh wow! On on iTunes uh, from Lee Frost, nineteen eighty underscore Lee said, "Gone downhill. Oh, uh, now gone woke. Oh dear." Yeah, we're heading
1: for broke, apparently. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that was uh, that was left on Saturday after we'd had Alex on this show. Uh, this one was left by 87AMT, another one-star review left on Friday. Long-time listener, love the podcast, but seriously, stop worrying about offending anybody. Somebody being offended by the phrase lady partner is utterly ridiculous. She's a lady, she's your partner. Please don't go down this route. One star.
1: It's remarkable. You know, we, we spend a lot of time in people's ears, and I do feel like we're all a big gang of mates. When people have come up to us... At shows and stuff, and said, "Hey, I listen to a podcast. I listen to the podcast. I'm a member of the After Swafters or whatever Pod Swafters." Immediately, I'm like, "You're my favorite kind of fan because we can just click into that that thing because we share so much on here, and I feel like people also give a lot back to us in in their emails and correspondence. So, I, you know, I feel like we are a big group of mates. I'm not, I'm not sort of being insincere about this. So, so for someone to to say, I'm not gonna be your friend anymore. That's what I hear when they when they say, I'm not gonna listen to your thing anymore, because you 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 don't you you're gonna retire this thing you say once a week, maybe at best, because you don't say the word lady partner or because you've got a friend who's a woman. I'm like, ah, I don't want you as my friend Yes, I get
2: maybe I'm overreacting with the whole lady partner thing,
1: but it's a It's a decision I've made. Exactly.
2: It doesn't harm anyone either way, really. If you, if you decide not to use the phrase or do uh, Oliver Drake emailed in to say I've been a pod for many years now I've really enjoyed Talk as my primary source of wrestling podcasts but over the past year my enjoyment of the podcast has slowly been diminishing uh, today where I feel like I've fallen out of love with WrestleTalk I stumbled upon it in uh, Luke's early days and really enjoyed the reviews and magazine podcasts but feel Talk has grown and added more presenters than the initial thing that got me into it has gradually been lost the draw of the chemistry and banter between Luke and Ali felt like listening to friends discuss wrestling my enjoyment of the podcast took a hit when the format changed and introduced Super Chats while I Appreciate. This is a great source of income It uh, feels like it ruins the flow of the show And honestly have little interest in the messages Mostly banter that gets sent in by people I don't know Although, fair enough, you had to gauge the thoughts of people And two-thirds were in favour of keeping them in But still, I enjoyed Ollie and Luke discussing the wrestling And particularly the rambling between the review But this has been reduced to a minimum now in favour of emails Again, which, which is ironic so I'm now reading out an email yeah. um, Again, by many of which tried way too hard to be funny And are mostly just irritating or ir- Relevant, and now you've changed the format of the magazine show, further distancing your product from what used to be two lads talking about wrestling. It just doesn't feel like Wrestle Talk anymore. Further to this, really feels like you're trying overly hard to be PC, which, I, by the way, I'm just going to put this out there. If anyone uses that phrase in an email, I almost instantly dismiss it, um, and it's taken away from the authenticity and humour of how the Wrestle Ramble used to feel. Feels like you walk on eggshells not to offend anyone. Just this week, you had to apologise for using the term "lady partner," which seems utterly ridiculous to me. Surely people can't be find it offensive. Anyways, I've rambled off long enough. I'm going to continue to pledge on Patreon as I still enjoy the pay-per-view reviews and Wrestle League. But for now, I'm tapping out of the weekly podcast. I don't enjoy them anymore. Thanks. I love you. Goodbye, Ollie.
1: Ah oh, well, it's yeah, it's it's a baffling thing for someone to be so complimentary and say "I love you guys," and then at the end of it say, "But I literally can't deal with you anymore." Uh, it's I, I yeah, I don't um, I guess I understand the mindset, but I do unfortunately Oliver think it's quite an immature one, and you should probably take a, you know, we we had already changed the format of the show is the thing. You know, because of lockdown and the amount of work I'm doing, I can't do the Friday shows anymore. For the last couple of months, we've had a revolving panel of Adam, Laurie, Pete, replacing with Luke. And, you know, it's not like Adam's been with us for ages. So I I think you should look at the situation, you know, step back properly, objectively, look at it and say, oh, it's because it's not two guys. Is that why I'm offended? And then maybe look at
2: yourself after you've asked that question. (laughs) Uh, D- Dave had a very similar email as well. Uh, Marcelino complained about Alex being on the show um because of a tweet that she made, um, the, the F All Men um tweet, which like I, I I look, guys. Alex said that during the heat of the speed of movement. I've I've spoken to Alex about it and like she herself is uh, you know she i mean I, I won't put words into her mouth um she said um the tweet was f men not uh, f all men it was in reference to men who are predators in wrestling um so basically what she was saying was f predators so if you don't agree if you don't agree with that statement i would again perhaps take a look at yourself
1: well i think that one's poorly worded because yeah. it does that you, you could lose most important part of the thing there because it's not explicitly said yeah uh but yeah like you know we had her on the show you can see that that she's she, she doesn't hate all men it's quite obvious it's just like you know remember people are people they're, they're they're complex three-dimensional things
2: well here's a more important email this comes mm. from lucas uh hope all is well with you and the entire Rest talk family thanks for all you guys doing keep the swath nation informed and entertained way to stay consistent even from out of quarantine uh you've mentioned on the raw review that the muppets uh would bring you to disney plus i've been home uh, with a five-year-old son and an 18 month old daughter since they're being laid off due to steve carino to calm my daughter down i've got two options either watching ollie do the news or watch the muppets i was watching the Muppet muppets <laughs> literally- <laughs> i like how they're quite similar <laughs> yeah um, I was watching the Muppet shorts on Disney Plus and couldn't figure out what was wrong with Kermit until you said it. He doesn't sound like Kermit anymore. And now that you've said it, I can't unhear it. hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for all the amazing contest. Uh, thank you very much from Lucas. Yeah, I watched the trailer after you
1: said it and it is like, oh, no, <clears throat> is this is this is this Kermit now? Yeah. Because, I mean, maybe in a couple of years we'll get used to it. And we'll be like, oh, what a great Kermit. Because this is the first time he's voiced Kermit, right? Uh, yes,
2: it is, yeah. Yeah, so maybe it's just something we need to get used to. But, man, it's weird initially. Oh, it is, yeah. And I, I think it's, I mean, I. funny enough, I dug out an old article that I wrote about this in 2012 after the Jason Segel Muppets movie came out and Steve Whitmer was doing a lot of touring press um, as Kermit. I actually got to interview Kermit around this time. Um and Miss Piggy and like they were doing TV shows and stuff and like I noticed there was a huge spike then of people being like oh my god that doesn't sound like Kermit at all like this new Kermit they've got is dreadful and I had to point out I was like it's the same Kermit we've had since 1991 <laughs> um, but I think the problem there was it was a new fuzzy it was uh, Jacobson had taken over from Frank Oz Frank Oz had retired from doing Muppet work and I think it was because Miss Piggy didn't sound like Miss Piggy it highlighted that Kermit didn't sound like wow. Jim Henson's Kermit. So, but it's, it's a generational thing. Like, you know, my, my Kermit is Steve Whitmere. It's not Henson. Henson had, you know, pretty much given up on doing Kermit by the time that I was getting into the Muppets. So my, my Kermit is Whitmere. So I think it's also a generational thing. There'll be kids who will watch these Muppets who will then go and watch the Steve Whitmire ears and be like, who's this guy? That doesn't sound like Kermit. That sounds nothing like him. Uh, and I wanted to read out this email. I can't read out the whole thing uh, but from Dale. But maybe I will do it down the, the lines, but I thought we would end on a really positive note um, because he said, uh, uh, over at the age of 14, I was diagnosed with severe depression, something that I dealt with on my own in a very unhealthy way. Like I just pretended I didn't have it. and I felt down sometimes. I seemed to work until I funked out of college in 2016, my first year, because I just didn't care about whether I succeeded or not. I just got a job. Uh, so why should I care anyway? Right? Well, it turns out me I should have cared the depression got worse the job led nowhere my new side order of anxiety arrived and my social life crippled one day until after battlegrounds 2016 a video popped up from a very shouty man about the best moments of the pay-per-view I got hooked I stuck around The EU's guys become an extended family to me. It seems a group of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure to know about. Ollie is one of the hardest working and deservedly successful people uh, because um, because of it. People his work ethic and drive to keep rest talk going consistently changing, trying to better at the times uh, all the time is astounding to me. And his very human message when he addresses the speaking out issues really made it clear to everyone that this is a man and channel that cares truthfully for who uh, we are as a community. Luke's the type of man I insp- Sorry, Luke is the type of man I inspire to be. Not reading emails, I would have thought. It's obvious mm-hmm. how much his wife means to him in a world that, to me, at least, seems bleak about the prospect of honest to goodness love. I was wary when he joined. A lot of people were, but it took about a week, and then he was just part of the furniture. He's the best number two, and when there's six of you, that is meant as a compliment. <laughs> and then he's got lovely messages about Laurie, uh, Pete, and Andy. Um, he, he's got, Andy is what twenty four, editor in chief. Come on, how did that happen? No, this is ridiculous. So, um, I've passed your message on to everyone. Um, so thank you very much, Dale. That was a really, really lovely message to, uh, to get in a very dark world we have at the moment. Mm. But do you know what? That is all we've got time for on this show. Uh yeah, um so Denise Salcedo, who you heard on Quizzle Mania on Wednesday on the Quizzle Mania podcast, is going to be joining me tomorrow for the magazine show, uh, which we're very, very excited about. Going to your Patreon mailbag questions. And then Pete and Andy will be back on Saturday for the SmackDown review. Take care. I love you. Goodbye.
0: I'm so ramble, now and